Amen. Let's get into the word. The gospel of Mark chapter 8. Mark's gospel, the 8th chapter. And uh, we'll start our reading from verse number 22. And we will go to verse 25. Mark's gospel chapter 8. Verses 22 through 25. When you find it, can you say amen? The word of the Lord reads, Then he came to Bethsaida, and they brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. So he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes, only Jesus can get away with that. (laughs) And put his hands on him. He asked him if he saw anything. And he looked up and said, I see men like trees walking. I love this verse. Verse 25, then he put his hands on his eyes. Somebody shout that word again. And made him look up and he was restored and saw everyone clearly. Then he sent him away to his house, verse 26, saying, neither go into the town, nor tell anyone in that town. Here's what the Message Bible version says in regards to verse 25. So Jesus laid hands on his eyes again. The man looked hard and realized that he had recovered perfect sight, saw everything in bright 2020 focus. It's a cool version. I like that translation. For the next few moments, my attention comes from verse 25. Then he put his hands on his eyes again. Jesus, in my perspective, is with this man, and he touches him. He asks him, what do you see? He says, I see men like trees walking, and in my interpretation, it's kind of like Jesus says, you ain't seeing right. And let's be honest, we all come to a place in life, I wish I had a witness here, even in a pandemic that sometimes in life and in our spiritual walk with Christ, we don't see the way we're supposed to be seeing. But Jesus does not leave us, thank you, Lord, in the place where we should not be. But verse 25 helps us and encourages us that he puts his hands on us again. And when he touches us again, we can see as he desires for us to see. By the help of the Lord, I come to leave a word on this All Nations Sunday to this great church. My subject will be, I can see clearly now. I need you to help me preach and just look to the neighbor, the left and the right. Don't sing it. Just say it. Turn to somebody and say, I can see clearly now. Yeah, yeah, I can see I can see clearly now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we are so thankful for this great Life Point Church. This church that is a beacon of light not only to this city, but to every community around it and to the entire world from a virtual standpoint. Thank you for the leadership of this house. Thank you for this great gathering, this worship experience, God. Now that your word is getting ready to go forth, thy word is anointed and forever settled in heaven. We pray now that you will anoint us to receive. For it's not by might nor by power, but it's by your spirit. God, I ask you that you will grant us eyes to see and ears to hear. 
what the Spirit has in store for the church today. And Satan, since we know that you're the prince of the power of the air, we decree and declare in this service that you are a liar, that you are defeated, that no weapon that is formed against us shall be able to prosper. Cause us to receive what you have in store for us today. Open blind eyes. Let the deaf ear be unstopped. Oh, God, let signs, wonders, and miracles take place. Fill someone with the gift of the Holy Ghost in this service today. Trouble the waters of baptism. Let someone go down in the burial watery grave in the name of Jesus. Do it for your honor. Do it for your praise. Do it for your glory. And for this we say in no other name but in Jesus' name. Let the church say amen. Thank you for standing. Give the Lord one more hand clap of praise. Let's preach together just for a little bit today. You may be seated. The truth of the matter is life, life is a journey that we all must travel. It's filled with lessons. It's filled with hardships. It's filled with heartaches. Life also is filled with joys. It's filled with celebrations and special moments that will ultimately lead us to our destination and cause us to fulfill our purpose in life. I believe that it is the pressure that provokes our potential so that we can fulfill what God has designed for our lives. However, along the way, we will face some situations that will not destroy us if we know why they were designed, but rather position a God to move on our behalf through our faith, trust, and obedience in him. Understand this morning that blindness, this afternoon rather, that blindness was a very common problem in Palestine. Generally, one who was blind was never healed. In the city of Lydda, the saying was that everyone was either blind or only had one eye. In Jaffa, there were 500 blind people out of a population of 5,000. While Leviticus chapter 19 establishes that God's people were to care for those who were blind, there was also a cultural and religious stigma against blindness. So we see this especially in the account of another man who was healed of his blindness in John chapter 9. And we see as Jesus and the disciples are walking out in this text, the disciples asked Jesus a question in John chapter 9 verse 2. They said, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And so there's a sense in which those who were blind deserve their blindness. Many people thought that this disease was a consequence of sin either by the individual himself or because of something the parents did. And as a result, blind people were often ignored or even criticized. This is really a word picture for all of us here for our spiritual condition because as Paul pens the writings in 2 Corinthians, he says that the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel. We are spiritually blind and there's nothing that we can do to change that on our own. And as Jesus gives sight to those who are physically blind, so too he grants spiritual insight to those 
who are in moral darkness. And, and it's really in order to give God a praise on this All Nations Sunday because this story really gives hope and encouragement and life to all of us because it lets us know in my interpretation that my present situation does not define my destiny. And, and my, my condition is not my conclusion. And that the state of my present being doesn't dictate the outcome of who God really intends for me to be. So it doesn't matter what's happening around me. doesn't matter what's happening in my personal life, in my marriage, uh, on the job, in my financial life. doesn't matter what's going on in the middle of a pandemic. God can still have a pandemic. God, God can still bless and God can still touch and God can still turn it. I love one of the favorite songs. Late in the midnight hour, God can still turn it around. What the devil meant for evil, God will always turn it around for his glory. All throughout the four gospels, we see instances of Jesus doing divine acts of healing. Some of his miraculous accounts are recorded for us several times, told from different vantage points in different Gospels. Yet, there are other miracles recorded for us only once, unique to the Gospel which contains it. Within the Gospel of Mark, we find one of these unique miracles recorded in detail. The account of Jesus healing the blind man outside the village of Bethsaida is not only rare because it only is written about once, but it's also the only progressive miracle that Jesus performed in the entire New Testament. And in our text today, we find some help for those who have lost their focus. You know, can't seem to find God or see God in the spiritual realm. And if we're all honest this afternoon, oftentimes we get to the point in our spiritual walk where we begin to lose focus. The Apostle Paul alluded it like this in 1 Corinthians. He says, for now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. In other words, what Paul is saying, he says we don't see things clearly. That we're squinting in a fog and we're peering through a mist. But Paul gives us good news. He says it won't be long before the weather clears and the sun shines bright again. And we'll begin to see as clearly as God sees us, knowing him directly as he knows us. And I believe, ladies and gentlemen, church today, that it is God's desire and God's aim for us that we be set our eyes on some spiritual dynamics some spiritual dynamics here and as the word is crucial for living a godward life and as a power uh, and has power and meaning on earth the truth be told we cannot even see what the word really is without God's supernatural help so we must be a people of daily prayer that God will do whatever he must do to get the wonders of the word into our hearts and into our lives. And there are new opportunities for all of us. We're asking God to give us clear vision into the life and work that he's calling us to do. We're asking for fresh faith and renewed strength to follow him and to follow his direction. And as powerful as your eyes are, they have one significant limitation. 
every single eye in this room has a fatal flaw. Your eyes can only see the physical reality. Every eye in this room is limited to seeing physical things. We see cars. We see trees. Lots of trees out here. We, we see people. We see planes. We see dogs. And uh, we see grass. We see books. And, and, and the list goes on. These things are all physical. And they all are only a part of reality accessible to our eyes. Our eyes are completely useless when it comes to perceiving the spiritual reality. The spiritual side of life is just as real as the physical side. We just can't see it. So don't make the mistake of thinking that the spiritual is less real than the physical. It's not. It's just as real, only we can't see it. And so I want to try to persuade you that as valuable as your physical eyesight is, you have a set of spiritual eyes that are even more valuable. Not only do you have spiritual eyes, but you must use them if you want to live a life that finds its full meaning and satisfaction in God. Every human being has spiritual eyes. God gave them to you and that's so that we can comprehend the spiritual realities of life. And we cannot see the spiritual unless the Holy Spirit gives us that sight. And so I flew all the way from New York City to call LifePoint to see today. I, I'm calling leaders to see. I'm, I'm calling husbands and wives, yes, Lord, to see as God desires for you to see. I, I'm calling single young adults. I'm calling students and children to see. I'm, I'm calling families to see. I'm calling every child of God to see today. Tragically, the eyes of many in the church don't see very well either. Often our spiritual vision is blinded by the glare of what our physical eyes see. But I want to convince you that it is more important to make sure that your spiritual eyes can see clearly than almost anything else that you do, especially in the day and the hour that we are living in today. Let me preach today just for a few moments. The Bible tells us in verse 22 that they came to Bethsaida and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. Now Bethsaida was a village located near the mouth of the upper Jordan River on the east bank of the Sea of Galilee. And as Jesus went through his uh, ministry at that time, he would have visited this village and he would have been welcomed with excitement of the people as they longed to see Jesus perform the miracle. The, the people may have not known or believed that Jesus was the Messiah, yet they would have heard of his great miracles and desire to witness them firsthand. It is recorded in this account that some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. The people really could have been bringing this blind man to Jesus because he was a part of their village and they cared for his well-being. On the other hand, they could have simply desired to see the miracles of, the, of Jesus for themselves. And so they were looking for anyone to be healed so that they can witness firsthand Jesus' miraculous power. No matter what their motive was, they had confidence that Jesus would be able to do a great work for this man. So it was friends. Somebody shout friends. 
it was friends who brought this man to Jesus. And I think that this is pretty cool to consider this afternoon that the best thing that we can do for our friends, for our family, is to introduce them to Jesus. Oh yeah, that, I, think that's, I think that's what evangelism, pastor, is all about. That, that sometimes we simply just need to bring our friends and family members and co-workers and neighbors into relationship with Jesus. Yes, they may fall by the wayside. And yes, some may be hooked on drugs and alcohol. And yes, they may be living alternative lifestyles and fighting addictions. And yes, they may be hurt and wounded and broken but thank God for a church that won't judge and won't talk about people thank God for a church that don't look on the outside and see their acts and see how they're living but they sense deep down on the inside that there's a longing and there's an emptiness and there's a cry on the inside that says don't talk about me don't judge me don't condemn me but bring me to Jesus bring me to somebody that can help me You see, you see, we're not told that this blind man believed anything or expected anything from the Lord at all. He seems to have come to the place where the master was simply because his friends persuaded him to do so. What a blessed man that he was. What a blessed man that he had such friends in his life. He didn't know Christ, but his friends did. He did not believe in Christ, but his friends did. He would have never have come to Christ on his own, but his friends brought him to Christ. And I feel like preaching to somebody that this is the season of your life where you got to discern who your real friends are. Yeah, real friends will introduce you to Christ. Real friends are people that will push you forward into your walk with Christ. You need people that will value who you are, that will encourage you, that when you're low and you're down and you're weak, they won't push you lower and further, but they will lift you up and they will say, come see a man that I know because if he did it for me, he can do it for you too. Oh, can I preach the light point this afternoon? You need people in your life that won't talk about you, that won't judge you, that won't stab you in the back, but you need some real people that says when you're crying, I know a God that will wipe your tears. When you're weak, I know a God that will make you strong. When you're hopeless, I know a God that will give you hope. You need people in your life that says I know where he is I know who he is come see a man yeah you, you need those are the kind of people yeah real friends supports you wants the best for you you see many people are trained to put on a pleasant face they're trained to say the right things and they will leave you as soon as the going gets rough more often than not, if you're, if you're a successful person, others want to connect with you for selfish reasons. 
They, you see, they want to be in your company to feel more accomplished themselves. They, they, they want to network with your colleagues. In other words, they want to use you. And that's what makes things so difficult, human connection. It's a fundamental need. God made us for connection. God made us for community. We don't want to be lonely. We don't want to be unloved. We don't want to be afraid. So we try to hook up. We try to connect. But if we don't connect God, like God desires for us to connect, we will link up with the wrong people and the wrong thing. It's part of what makes life worth living and what makes your success fulfilling is being able to share it with others. So it's important to discover who you can trust. It's important to discover who you can trust and whose opinions you should value and which individuals are only relating to you for their own advancement. And when you're surrounded by toxic people, they become jealous and insecure when you're doing well. They can't find room in their hearts to allow you to be happy and to celebrate with you because your success reinforced their sense of failure. Oh, but in 2021, hear it loud and hear it clear. You need to surround yourself with people that will lift you up. You need to surround yourself with people that will celebrate you. You need to surround yourself with people that's not going to hate on you. That's not going to be jealous about you. But they will celebrate your accomplishments. Knowing that if the rain fall on you, it won't be long that the rain is going to fall on me too. We find encouragement for all those who are weak. And like this blind man, there will be moments in our life when we will find ourselves spiritually hurting or in need of healing. And we may lack the faith to believe that Jesus can do anything for us. So, so we question, why would he care for us? Similar to the blind man, we often need the help of those around us to carry us to the Savior through faith and prayer. Our faith is not always strong enough to get us to Christ on our own. And through the encouragement of faithful pursuit of others, we can find ourselves at the feet of Christ, ready to receive his healing touch. I want you to understand, church, that this is the one time in Scripture in your entire Bible, when Jesus performed a miracle in someone's life that was not complete. Every other miracle, he did it instantly. Every other miracle didn't need a second chance, a second effort. This is the only time in your entire Bible when Jesus performed a miracle in someone's life that was not, I know he's the God of miracles. I know he's a miracle worker. I know he which begun a good work in you is able to perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. But church, let's be honest. We can ask ourselves the question, God, Jesus, why did you do this? And when you read the entire chapter, the story actually fits. The whole chapter is about people that see but can't really see. <laughs> I mean, you read the chapter, it starts with the community. The community's eyesight is jacked up. They ain't seeing right, y'all. 
I mean, they, look what the scripture says. Then the Pharisees came out and began to dispute with him, seeking from him a sign from heaven and testing him. Bethsaida was not on Jesus' list of top 10 favorite towns to hang out and chill. Here's what Jesus said about Bethsaida. He said, woe unto you, Bethsaida. The miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre or Sidon. They would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. Here the people, they looked for a sign. Jesus had done many, many miracles here. They were amazed by him, but they still missed who he really was. They saw, but they didn't really see. The community, I mean, you... you you ain't seen right now. Not only the community, but the disciples are not seeing clearly. The ones who are closest to Jesus. Is it possible that we can be in church and still not see? Is it possible that we can clap, dance, shout, worship God, sit on a pew every Sunday, and we're still not seeing the way? That Jesus wants us to see. The disciples are not seeing the ones that walks with him. He says, having eyes, do you not see? Having ears, do you not hear? And do you not, rem do you not remember? This is Jesus talking to the disciples. I, I, the disciples, the struggle is real. Jesus asked them, whom do men say that I am? Peter says, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And, and, and let, let, I'm jumping around, but he rebukes Peter and he says, get thee behind me, Satan, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. The problem is this, is that everyone has a preconceived notion of the Christ, but he somehow refuses to fit into our molds. And so in this story, we're talking about a man that went from being blind to seeing clearly. And the story, here it is. It's going to bless you. It shows us that sight does not always come instantly. My God in heaven. Yeah, sight does not always come when we want it to come. In truth, God reveals himself progressively. It, could this be the reason why we come to church every Sunday? Is, it, could this be the reason why we say, Pastor, you preached an awesome message last week, Sunday, but, but, but yesterday is gone, and today I'm in need of another touch and another move of God. I, 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 I'm not where I am yet. Thank God I'm not what I used to be, but he still got me on the potter's wheel, and he's still molding me and shaping me. He's a God that progressively works on my life this is why you don't judge me we don't talk about each other I'm not where I'm used to be I got a long way to go but thank God he's still working on me and this is why we continue to come to church this is why we lift our hands always and clap and dance and shout we do it because we're reaching out for a God that says God I'm hungry for more I'm thirsty for more I'm desiring more I'm longing for more He's a God that's always impressing himself on us. Yeah. I wonder if anyone here 
who really wants to see him. I wonder if there's anyone here that says, God, I, I'm not seeing right. I wonder if there's a husband, a wife, a man, a woman, a boy, or a girl. I wonder if there's someone that says, sometimes in my life, I don't think the way I'm supposed to be thinking. I'm not living the way I'm supposed to be living. I, I don't act the way I'm supposed to be acting. Come on somebody. I'm not just talking about the spiritual things in church, but God's called you to be a better husband. God's called you to be a better wife. God's called you to be a better mother, a father, a college student. I don't know. God's calling you to be a better CEO or a business owner. I don't know who I'm talking to. I don't know who this word is for. But sometimes in life we find ourselves at the place where we're not see him the way we're supposed to see but I flew all the way from the Big Apple to let somebody know in Athens, Ohio that he's going to touch you again and when he touches you again you're going to see like God wants you to see if you want God to touch you would you lift your hands in this moment and would you release a praise right now and let the power of God touch you Oh, I feel his touch. I feel his touch in this room today. I, I got to hurry. I, I got to hurry. Be seated. Verse 23, he took the blind man by the hand. Watch it now. And led him outside of the village. And I think the first part of this miracle can be viewed as an intimate act of love before the miracle happens. That Jesus did not choose to do the healing with everyone around. But he took the blind man alone. Took him alone outside of the busy village. And Jesus really didn't have to do this, nor did he have to touch him at all. He could have simply spoken a word right there in the middle of the crowd, and the man would have been healed. But Jesus chose to tempt to this man in a very special and caring way. Jesus, being divine in his nature, perhaps already knew that the man lacked some faith, but in compassion and in love, he led him outside of the village. And I need to find 50 praisers in Life Point today. Oh, we're not told that anyone followed. We're not told if the disciples were near. But what is important to note is that Jesus intentionally sought to be alone with this man. And I wish I had somebody that would help me preach that some of the greatest and most faith-growing times in our life will happen when we are completely alone with God. Hear me, I love when we gather. I love when we worship God together. There's nothing like it. But can I tell you, there's nothing like an old-fashioned prayer closet. There's absolutely nothing like God waking you up in the middle of the night where you got to find yourself at your bedside or perhaps a living room or perhaps your study and you begin to cry out to Almighty God. There's nothing like praying when it's just you and God where there's no lights, where there's no praise team, where there's no sound system, where there's no cameras, but oh, there's a Shekinah glory. There's a 
presence of God. I believe God desires for us to have personal relationship and communication with him. Pastor, we were sharing last night over dinner, and you talked about how God just, <laughs> during the pandemic and when the church was shut down, and we were just blown away as to how, how, how does finances increase in the middle of a pandemic? How, how, does, how does the gathering and the support, how, how does that increase when the building is shut down? And I believe God, his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts, and I'm going to put it on repeat. There's always a pandemic in a pandemic. Everybody's tripping over their 401ks. Everybody's is tripping about what's happening with the economy and the government being shut down and our business being shut down and church being shut down. But can I tell you, can, can I remind you, God's got this. <laughs> yeah, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. God's got this under control, and I and I just could be crazy enough to believe God that God uses a shutdown so that we can slow down just a little bit more. Come on, you workaholics that's always working all those hours. Come on, somebody that's working job after jobs and you're always going and sometimes you can't be a part of church. Could it be this opportunity that God says it's time to shut things down so that you can slow down and have a little bit more time with me? Oh, you don't have to worry about putting on your clothes and driving and coming to church. Church is now in your home. You can log on to YouTube and Facebook Live. There should be no excuse why God, why we don't have the opportunity to draw closer to God. There should be no excuse when we can say to ourselves, God, in the midst of what's happening around us, so crazy, so chaotic, but God, you're drawing us closer and you're saying, come near you're saying we're too busy and like this man he says I've got to pull you out of the busyness of life I've got to pull you away from distractions I've got to pull you away from other voices so that you can hear me clearly he pulled this man out of the busyness because the world that we live in is full of busyness and distraction in 2021, we've got to be willing to be led by Jesus to a place of solitude. Yeah, we see this story that Jesus led this man gently to where he would have not gone on his own. And in the same way, we must be willing to follow Jesus to special places of solitude for our spiritual renewal. We can't fight it. We can't run away from it. We can't find excuses. Even this very moment, it grips our soul. And we've got to trust him to lead us to a place that is good for us, even though we may not understand its benefit at the time. And the second part of this verse is small, but it's a very important part. Jesus, he spat. In the man's eyes. I, I don't know if he got this from the creative team. I, I don't know if there was a planning committee that proposed this idea. I, 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 don't, I don't know if he got an email about it. 
he spat. Jesus spat in his eyes. And, you know, we, we could have, we, we, we read, he could have just healed this man, Jesus, without, I mean, seriously, without spitting. Because, Jesus, you, you, we see that you've done miracles without this action. It just, uh, however, it was included as a seemingly necessary part of Jesus' calculated process, taking him outside of the village, putting, spitting on his eyes, and then touching him. And at the end of verse 23, we see the miracle take place. Jesus touched the man's eyes, and he says, do you see anything? And with this question, we see the unfolding of the only progressive miracle recorded for us in the entire Bible. In every other instance of Christ's miraculous power, we see his efforts accomplish the miracle only at the first effort. However, Christ's touch in this instance did not fully heal the man's eyes. Verse 24 says, he looked up and he says, I see men like trees walking. And all of of Jesus' actions, especially surrounding the accounts of his miracles, were intentional and they had purpose. So we cannot assume that Jesus messed up the first time when touching the man that he was not able to heal him completely because we know that Jesus doesn't make mistakes. He never makes mistakes. He was, he was not at fault for not completing the miracle with one touch. Rather, there was a need for Jesus to do this miracle partially with the first touch and then completely with the second touch. And the reason for this progression, I feel like praising him right here, was to grow the faith of the one being healed. Uh, we, we see... This, this pattern allowed the man to accept the fact that he was being cared for by someone who knew him intimately and grew his faith patiently. Jesus was not just a miracle worker here, but he was a savior and he was a Lord that was restoring his sight and spiritually touching his heart. And Jesus helped them step across the line from unbelief to belief. Pastor Jolly, what is the spiritual significance of the blindness? I'm glad you asked. I've come to tell you that this healing by stages pictures the maturing process of every child of God's spiritual understanding. It is the conversion process that each child of God experiences. That Christ asks the blind man if he saw anything. And he looks up indicating a natural first inclination towards the source of light to discern images. And the man's reply is, I see men like trees walking. And it reveals that he had not been born blind. However, he could not precisely discern the shape and magnitude of the objects that he recognized. So Christ's method of healing here, it shows that our spiritual enlightenment is a continuous process. It is always working towards us that we're not just at the point of arrival at one service but we keep on coming back we keep on praying and we keep on believing and we keep on praising him because God is continually working on us 
this verse gets me happy today and it's the verse that the Lord wants me to speak into your spirit life point that will set the stage for your life in this season verse 25 says then he put his hands on his eyes again when I'm not thinking right, when I'm not doing right, when I'm not being myself, when I'm not living up to my uh, God's expectations, he puts his hands on my eyes again. When I'm thinking suicidal, when I'm thinking depression, when I'm wrapped up with fear and doubt and anxiety and hopelessness, he puts his hands on me again when I'm not praying the way I should be praying when I shouldn't be when I when I supposed to be living faithful and being committed he doesn't look at me but he loves me enough to say I've got to touch you again when I feel low when I feel tired when I feel frustrated when I feel like I just want to give up his love reaches out to me and he says I've got to touch you again and within this verse the final saving touch of the savior is captured the compassion of the divine God was expressed through the fingertips of Jesus as he touched a man the second time the blind man most likely already filled filled with excitement because he could at least see something after the first touch may have thought that the miracle was over but Jesus being perfect was only satisfied with the perfection and the completion he was not tied to a system or a method for all of his miracles but being in the very nature of God he was free to do according to his will whatever pleased him and in this situation his desire was to grow the man's faith and I don't know who I'm talking to and I'm closing I don't know who I'm preaching to on this all nation Sunday but some of you you're at the place right now in your life or perhaps in your spiritual journey that you're not seeing clearly because of failures, because of setbacks, because of disappointments or mistakes or the shame in your life. But this is the season where God is going to touch you again. Oh, I wish I had somebody that would praise him in his house. Oh, I know we're in the middle of a global pandemic. I know coronavirus is around us. But in 2021, I still believe that God can turn your opposition into opportunity. I I still believe he can take your problems and turn it into possibilities. I still believe he can take your pain and turn it into power. I still believe he can take your sorrows and turn it into success. I still believe he can take your tears and turn it into triumph. He can take your grief and turn it into grace. He can take your stress and turn it into strength he touched me and all the joy that flood my soul something happened and now I know he touched me he touched me I can't explain it but he touched me I can't explain it but he touched me
Okay. Okay. For all those that really felt like singing that song, I know Johnny Nash. I know he, he sang it. I can see clearly now. Y'all pray for the preacher. The rain is gone. <laughs> yeah. But I feel somebody needs to rise up in this whole nation Sunday. And after God touches you, you can sing. I can see clearly now. My pain is gone. Oh, 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 I can see clearly now. My doubts are gone. Yes. This, 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 this may not be for everybody, but, 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 but I hope I have five praisers that can, that can say, I can see clearly now. My hurts are gone. Or I can see clearly now my, my, my disappointments are gone. I, I, I know, I, I love the old school song, He Touched Me. Something happened, and now I know He touched me. Hear me light point in the Holy Ghost. This is the season. This is your moment where you're not seeing the way you're supposed to see. I've got good news for you. There's a God in the house that's standing here ready to touch you. Somebody needs to throw their hands up in the air and say, touch me again, Lord, until I see clearly. Touch me again until I think clearly. Touch me again until I talk clearly. Touch me again until I live the way I'm supposed to be living. Everyone standing all across this building. Listen, real, real talk, real talk. We all have been impacted by this pandemic. Whether financially, physically, mentally, even spiritually. We've all been impacted. And maybe I'm the only one. But I felt moments of discouragement. God, what's going to happen to the sanctuary? God, our church, you worry about the people, you worry about the safety of your family, your kids going back to school. Do we wear masks? Or, uh, do, do we get vaccinated? All this stuff, you watch the news and we're just bombarded by the news and different perspectives of what's happening in our state, what's happening all over the world. We're worried about our money, our retirement, our 401ks. And we get to a place where we don't see the way we're supposed to be seen as children of God. We're wrapped up with worry and doubt and complaining and whining and disappointment and we're talking negative and Jesus looks at us and says, you see men like trees walking. Have you forgotten that I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Have you forgotten that if I did it before, I'm able to do it again? Have you forgotten that if I healed you before, I can heal you again? If I made a way before, I can make another way. I, have you forgotten that if I turn it around before, I can turn it around again? We get to a place where our eyesight are, is jacked up. We're not seeing 
the way we're supposed to be seeing. Jesus says, when he touches you again. I'm so glad that we serve a God that he touches us again. And when we don't find ourselves at the place where we should be, he touches us again and again and again because he's a God of a not a second chance but another chance and if you're like me that messes up over and over again he touches me over and over again there's something about our God that doesn't stop touching us loving us and reaching out for us because he wants to get us to a place where we see the way we're supposed to be seeing that will bring glory and honor to God I, I don't know who I'm here for but eyes closed all over this house. Maybe you want to come out of your seat and come to an altar. Maybe there's someone here that you desire a closer relationship with Christ. You're here without the baptism of the Holy Spirit and you believe God can fill you today. Maybe you've been coming to church for a very long time. And you're not at the place where you should be in God. Maybe you feel the word speaking to your heart right now and you're saying, you know what? God's called me to be a better child of God. I'll take it further. God's calling me to be a better wife. He's, caused me to, he's calling me to be a better husband, a better mother, a better father, a better child, a better student, a better young adult, a better business owner. Yeah, a better employee, a better student. All these areas that shapes our life, that makes us who we are, God desires for us to see the way he intends for us to see. And if we're not seeing clearly, I believe he's inviting you to step out of your seat and says, come so I can touch you again. And when he touches you the second time, you're going to walk out of here today saying, I can see clearly now. If that's your desire, I want you to lift your hands all over this house as the praise team comes. Maybe you can come out of your seat, come to the altar. We want to pray for you. We want to lay hands on you. But most of all, there's a God that's in this house right now that wants to touch you again so that you can see the way he desires for you to see. Come on, all over this house, lift your hands, lift your voice and say, touch me again.